You're listening to the Physics Ed Podcast. For hundreds of ideas, free experiments and more, go to physicseducation.com.au. And now, here's your host, Ben Newsom. G'day, welcome to another Physics Ed Podcast. Glad to have you again, no matter where you are around this world. And in this particular case, we are chatting with Luke Stella, who is from the Australian Centre for Astrobiology at UNSW as a PhD candidate, but he's also a co-founder and director of Practical. Now, what Practical has done is really, really fun. They have organised science and comedy together. Yes, the STEAM room. What an idea. We're going into an amazing way to teach STEM to a whole brand new audience. The 2023 STEAM room science comedy program is coming up and Luke Stellar's dropped by to tell us just what, you know, tricked his ideas around why we should be doing science and comedy together and how you can get involved. So let's go find out. This is the Physics Ed Podcast. We're all about science, ed tech and more. To see 100 fun free experiments you can do with your class, go to physicseducation.com.au. That's physics spelled F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S. And click 100 free experiments. Yeah, yeah. So um, my name's Luke. I'm a probably first and foremost, though it doesn't feel like it sometimes, I'm a PhD student at the University of New South Wales. Um, And the work I do there is all about trying to figure out basically how life formed on earth and using that to try and find aliens, which is a lot of fun, honestly. Um, So I spent a lot of time thinking about could life form, when I talk about life, I talk about like a very simple self-replicating system. So just a little bit of RNA or DNA inside a, you know, a a bubble in a hot spring somewhere. That's kind of what we're trying to think when we think of first life. And I'm trying to say, could that form in a hot spring, could that form in a lake? Are there hot springs on Mars? Those kind of questions are what I'm looking at. So that's my, um, I guess, my nine to five <laughs> job at the moment. Yep. But outside of that, I do a whole bunch of psychom, which is a lot of fun as well. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, for a start, I mean, that is an interesting research area, I've got to say, <laughs> for a start. Uh, I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I actually, I think before we even go into like, the, yeah, the steam room that's coming up, um, I'm just curious, uh, what are the sort of questions that you get from people around the place about what um, astrobiology actually is? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, and it's funny for, um, we'll get into it later, but I do a bit of a comedy skit around this, you know, because a lot of people... Um, and I'm a bit of a hippie for anyone watching the visuals and see, I've got a bit of long hair and a nose ring and, um, people even think I'm studying astrology, which, um, opens up ah. a lot of really fun questions around that. Um, but most of the time I find it's a topic that people don't know a lot about. And as scientists, we hardly know anything about how life formed as well. And if there's life out there, honestly, it's such a new field, but people always seem to have an idea about it, you know, like, oh, I've read something once about you know hydrothermal vents deep under the ocean or didn't they find life on mars a couple of years ago or i swear i saw an alien the other day like people yeah. always there's um it seems to be something that people have experienced or thought about at least in a very abstract way a lot and that was the main reason honestly why i picked this research i had some of the you know analytical science skills to you know do the work but um I've always been passionate about chatting to people about science and about what excites them. And it always seems to be when you tell people, oh, you know, I'm trying to find aliens for a job. It kind of does stimulate some fun conversations, which is always nice. Oh, I totally know that. I mean, what I do, I mean, I just say I blow stuff up for a living. (laughs) And people are quite happy with that. Great, yeah. I'm sure uh, dig into it a little bit deeper. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fantastic. So, right. So 
you went ahead and you, you formed Practical. Tell me a little yeah. bit about Practical. What, what, what's, what's that all about? Yeah, yeah. So Practical is um, our nice, fun definition. We're just a collective of um, emerging science communicators and artists. Mm-hmm. We're trying to engage um, our broader community in STEM. So um, it's really, it's a platform. So I created it with another fellow PhD student, Bonnie Teese, and then um, an amazing science communicator, Shane Hengst. Um, and we basically made it in the middle of lockdown. So we're like, hey, we've got a, you know, early days, not for you, obviously you've been doing online education for years, but we were like, how do we shift online and how do we engage people in an online space? We made a few online workshops that are still out there that are really fun. But from that, um, it's really been a, a container to um, help us really work with artists. So I use Practical to um, create this comedy show that we'll talk about. I've used it to work with contemporary dancers and to think about how could you, um, how is the origin of life, you know, shaped uh, and through movement, you know, how can we understand it better through movement? Um, Talking with artists, talking with graphic designers, with mural artists and street artists. So it really is just a tool for me to have fun chats and work on cool projects with creatives. So yeah. Well, straight up is communication. I mean, if anything, I mean, if we just simply preach to the choir, well, we mm-hmm. only get the same songbook, right? Yeah, no, <laughs> so definitely. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. And I think that's it. I think that um I I'm lucky enough, a lot of my friends and people in my um, life outside of academia, they're all amazing creative artists, performers, producers. And I just see that they bring such um, exciting interest and novelty when they think about the audience and who they're engaging with. Yeah. And something as a scientist, um, and even, you know, I would call myself a science communicator. I wasn't thinking that way as well. So it really is just yeah, a way to get outside of your standard science um, attendees for events and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Which is fantastic. I mean, I, so I heard this year you had seven, seven people running around all sorts of events doing comedy programs on stage with live people in front of us laughing or potentially not but I suspect they were (laughs) very much there's a lot of cool stories yeah a couple of good laughs so yeah we had seven um amazing scientists um they all range from an undergrad person studying veterinary science um to an associate professor from Macquarie Uni so we had a whole range of academic skills we had people who work in startups who left uni years ago who are growing you know, lettuces and cabbages in vertical horticulture and that kind of stuff. So a whole bunch of different um, career professions within STEM. And we basically just put them in a room for a whole bunch of comedians and gave them a couple of weeks to write some fun material. And then, yeah, we got them up on stage. We had Dr. Carl there. We had Beth Melrose, who's a brilliant um, comedian. She writes for like Gruen and all these amazing um, ABC shows and AJ Lamar and all these amazing comedians on stage with our seven scientists um and they just had a lot of fun it was a great night what a fantastic way to improve communication skills i mean comedians it's one of the hardest gigs around i mean trying to make a hundred people or more laugh on cue with your timing that little bit of nuance and whatnot and connection i mean if you can connect with that broad range of people Mm. you're doing really well and so in this case we're doing with science it's fantastic yeah, totally. And it is um, incredibly terrifying, you know, yes. it's daunting, it's horrible, it is really difficult, but, um, and it's a weird, people have different views on this. Some people say that, you know, people are just funny or they're not, you can't do anything about it. But I think once you actually do the training and you sit down with mm. people who write comedy for a living and they shadow write for, you know, all these amazing comedians you see on TV, a lot of the jokes are written for them by the people we have run in this program, you know, we're not saying that they're writing the jokes for our scientists, but there is a skill to saying, 
you've got a funny story that works well when you're down, you know, with your friends at a birthday party, you tell them, you know, a miss up in the lab or what you do for research and it gets a few laughs. How do you turn that into something that you can deliver um, in a really, you know, succinct, beautiful way that will get people laughing on cue on stage? So it, it can be done. Yeah. 100%. I was just thinking about, I mean, okay, even if you have a dry piece of science, mm. it's got to be at an angle. And I suppose that the comedian's brain, I mean, they're, they're, they're firing, they're firing so quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is great. But it was funny, I think, um, the comedians were obviously brilliant and gave us a lot of advice and support, but the scientists, like they wrote all their own material and just got a bit of feedback, but they really, um, you know, I, I think if you watch enough comedy, you kind of get what happens, you know, you kind of see like you had a pause right here. And honestly, the pauses are the best thing. The longer yes. you pause, the more it kind of builds up this tension. Um, and I think the fun thing is well, doing it live, people are going there expecting to laugh. You know, and especially as, um, you know, the whole show was seeing scientists do comedy for the first time, they're not going to be there to heckle and, you know, see, you know, some huge name do something big. It's like, okay, like they're going to screw up. They're going to be a bit nervous. They're there for that authentic reaction, seeing mm. scientists do something they've never done before. And that creates a really nice wholesome atmosphere. So everyone there was went there ready to laugh, ready to be supportive. And it was brilliant. We only had one heckler and it was one of the scientists' mums. Ah! <laughs> Oh, we're through the show. This scientist was telling a story. Um, she was, yeah, telling a story about her dog at home and something that happened. And her mum was like, she's exactly right. That's exactly what happened. And was trying to like boost her up her like story. So only supportive happily, uh, heckling happens um, with us. <laughs> That's fantastic. Now, you, did you say that you did a routine as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a bit of fun. I um, Well, I couldn't convince scientists to do one of the most terrifying things, which is comedy without putting myself in the uh furnace yeah. myself so, um yeah yeah and I'm, I'm i'm probably gonna do it again it was terrifying but exciting and um as a communicator i saw the skills it gave me were incredible like it really was an amazing opportunity to view presentations and conversation and dialogue mm. in a whole new light so that really excited me. Yeah. So I'm curious, did you do the comedy around astrobiology or somewhere else? Um, yeah, I did. I did. It really was um, the whole, you know, because you only have four minutes. It's very tight. Yeah. But it really was um, this whole idea of when you don't look like the type of scientist that you're meant to be, you know. So doing astrobiology, um, you know, I go to a lot of hippie music festivals and all that kind of stuff and just telling people you study astrobiology um, you get really different reactions from them and just playing off a few characters that I've met over my time you know so yeah. <laughs> you got me thinking so I was at a school today and the kids dressed up as a scientist as predictably a lot of them were in white lab coats etc uh, I wonder if they'd been challenged to what would an astrobiologist look like yeah yeah it would be interesting <laughs> well I think it's like what does a scientist look like in general yeah, you know, I think that there is this stereotype. Um, you know, obviously stereotypes around gender and race that are mm. luckily changing because are obviously no way representative of what science actually is. But also lab coats, also you know, being serious. Like we had you know seven amazing scientists up on stage, and most of them were telling stories about you know, um, one she was telling a story about she used to work as an underwater news reporter. And she'll go on the scuba diving and then give a visibility, you know, report for scuba divers, you know, and she yeah. was a scientist. She had a marine biology degree, all that kind of stuff. You know, we had one, she was talking about, you know, failed Tinder dates or, you know, one working <laughs> sperm and was talking about all the fun of working in a sperm, you know, yeah. um, lab where you have to get samples. And, you know, I think they really 
showed the diversity of experiences that you can have in science. And I think that's a really good way to engage people in it. Oh, it's fantastic. So there is a bigger, wider event. I mean, let's be honest, this podcast does last for a while. So I mean, I know we're going to be talking about next year's one. Mm-hmm. Are you looking to get uh, in 2023, the same number of people on stage? Are you looking to really pump it up next year? Yeah, so we're definitely looking at pumping it up. Um, so I can't say too much yet because there's a few embargoes out there, but um, we've definitely got a much larger venue in Sydney. Yep. So this year we had um, 500 people um, at a factory theatre and then we sold out another show at the Comedy Store, which is another 300 we're looking to probably triple that this year. So it'll be a huge, huge audience, which would be daunting, but also if you've got an appetite to get in front of a lot of people and talk about your work, it's very exciting. Um, there's also a lot of opportunity to go interstate as well. So we'd love to get down to Melbourne and up to Brisbane and a few other places um, that, yeah, we can definitely talk about once that's all released. <laughs> well, I was actually just thinking, um, I mean, I was... I mean, lucky enough to um, have a chat with some really fantastic people. Mm. And a number of them have done some TEDx talks. And I was just thinking those red letters are powerful. And, Mm. you know, it's a place you can speak for 14 minutes well Mm. about something. Wouldn't it be cool with a steam room whereby it was steam x that sounds a bit odd (laughs) but the uh, the thing that could be really interesting is something that could be done globally yeah no definitely definitely um and i think it's it's a funny thing where um and i'm working with so the steam room um now it's an amazing partnership with myself and uh rue halawa and tom stevenson and they were the um comedic MCs and basically the trainers for the last show and we've kind of collaborated together to make the steam room bigger and better this time around yeah. and um they're great because they bring and I think the, the main part of this whole program was working with, like you know I think I'm a funny guy I'm probably not but you know I'm nowhere near the skills that a comedian has you know and not only in performing and writing but producing a show and like how do you balance acts on stage and how do you reach out and create flyers and posters and attract a certain crowd and that's stuff that um I've, you know, I've dabbled with and I've produced, you know, public lectures and that kind of stuff. But to attract 500 people who aren't scientists to a show requires something more than just, you know, a, a good idea. You have to really have skills in that event management side. Um, so as I was saying, so working with them, we have lots of chats around how do you protect the integrity of a concert of a show? Because like, hey, let's bring this everywhere and we can train up a, a scientist for five hours or two hours and get them on stage. But like, if the comedy is not good, if the people don't feel confident, they're going to make people laugh. They feel nervous. They feel really crappy about it. People walk away saying, oh, I hated seeing someone squirm on stage because they didn't, the jokes didn't land and it's not a good experience. So it will be awesome. And I think there's definitely space to, you know, expand it massively, but people have to be aware. You do have to have quality control. You do have to have time. You do have to have um, commitment to make sure that it's an incredible experience. Um, yeah, honestly, honestly, yeah, yeah. Um, and, I, and I think that my, my biggest fear or regret would be, yeah, if someone, a scientist goes on stage and we haven't given them the full um, training that they require and then they walk off stage um, feeling like they couldn't have, they could have done a better job or they felt their jokes didn't land properly. And we know every comedian did it with us, um, walked off stage absolutely beaming, you know, just jokes were flying, laughter was going all around and that's what we want to see keep happening. And we definitely can keep doing that with all the training we've got. 
Oh gosh, and actually, it brings to the point like the training is clearly in depth. I mean, you're not you're not throwing them to the wolves, so to speak. So, what does it mean? It's almost un, unfair in a, in a podcast, but sort of just curious. What are the sort of the things that the comedians consistently say to all the people to be able to help them out when they've got to present live? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Um, the best advice I can know. I've been, you know, I was a three-minute thesis finalist and I've been giving ah. to schools for years and like all that kind of, you know, I, I've done the whole presenting on stage thing for a while now, but um, I learned so much from working with comedians and the thing that they let, like that landed with me that really captured me was that any presentation you do, anytime you communicate with someone, it's a two-way dialogue. And I think as a scientist or as a teacher or whatever you're in, you're used to getting up there and saying, it's my chance to, you know, word vomit on someone for 25 minutes about what I think and it's usually very exciting you know it's like space and you know when I give a talk it's like aliens and space and looking for life on Mars and NASA and rovers and it's all very fun but I just kind of see it as a tap that I'm you know pouring into someone's mind and you know giving them all these words where really even if there's no audience participation even if it's not um, you know asking questions it's still a dialogue you're watching them. You're watching if your people are squirming. You're watching them if they're laughing, if they're pausing. Are they sitting back in their chair? Are they engaged and leaning forward? And you should be tweaking your presentation based on that, you know? And I think that that's, um, that's what I got out of it was that you're really constantly having a conversation with the people sitting in front of you, even if they can't say anything. And or if they can just laugh, you know? <laughs> no, that's solid advice, absolutely. Yeah. And I guess... Uh... The room is wide, broad, and big. Mm. Trying to reach each person, it can be partly just moving around the stage, partly Honestly. connecting with them. Honestly, yeah, yeah. And you see the best comedians; they will um, mix it up between, you know, especially in a huge venue. Like they talk to like the person in the back of the room, and everyone feels like they're there. But they'll yeah. pick out one person in the front and be like, and you know, they'll deliver jokes to them. They'll pick someone that they know other audience members can see. And if they see them laughing or squirming, they can make a comment on that. And then you get into crowd work, you know, then you get into actively, you know, engaging with your audience and, you know, making up new material on the spot, which is incredibly difficult and something I haven't tried yet, but <laughs> people do it and people do it really well. <laughs> I guess, I mean, it's, it, at, from a scale point of view, if it's, run, if it's running enough times, eventually mm -hmm. someone might be interested in potentially bringing their performance to a regular comedy night. Honestly, well, yeah. So we've had a few of our comedians, our science comedians, by the way, um, look at doing, you know, open mics and looking to regular comedy nights. And um, uh, off the back of what we did, Dr. Carl's doing an hour-long special at the comedy store, which is yeah. brilliant. So he's, you know, bringing that out to a bigger audience. And, you know, because when we did it with him, we had a very tight schedule. He's like, I've got all this material. You know, he's, you know, he's a natural comedian. He's incredible. He had all these ideas. Um, and we're like, mate, We've only got 10 minutes for you. We've got to keep it real nice and sharp. So I think he's looking forward to, you know, having that space to really explore some amazing stuff. And his show's on uh, at the end of September. So definitely check him out at the Comedy Store for anyone who's interested. I've got uh, to ask straight up, were you yeah. doing comedy prior to this? Um, no, I wasn't. Honestly, <laughs> like, yeah, um, I was very lucky. As I said, I had a lot of friends who were in comedy and um, a good friend of mine, he runs a comedy room, like, you know, a weekly comedy experience in Sydney. Um, so I would, you know, go to these things and just see comedians on stage. Um, I never thought I would do it. I never thought I could do it. Um, I just saw it that it was a unique style of engagement that 
scientists really did lack. And I yeah. thought that would be a cool, you know, if even if, because you know, you've, I don't know, I'm, I'm sure you, you're a funny man, Ben, you've seen no. a bit of comedy, you know, but you go up and it's like, you see someone on stage and they'll be like, hey, how we're doing? And everyone's just like, whoa, like what's next? Like there's, there's this, um, there's this captivation of an audience with a few words or with, you know, a few one hook line at the beginning, everyone's leaning in. Yeah. And once you search for enough boring, you know, lectures at uni for some, you know, old professor sometime, you're like, why can't they be comedians? Why can't this be more fun? So yeah. Absolutely. And hello to all you lecturers out there. We love you. No, we love you. Sorry. That was a very one. But use this as an opportunity, upskill, you yes. know, any professors out there who want to, you know, have people yeah. on the edge of their seats in their lectures, um, sign up, do the show. <laughs> it could be fun as comedy duos too. I mean, if you've got the professor who is, you know, yeah. very well learned, so to speak, yeah. in an area and an undergrad. Yeah. Or a high school student. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could be really fun. And we do have a few, because um, last time we had this, so we kind of said we had like one science comedian, one regular comedian up on stage, and that was great. But I think looking back now, there's such a buzz and such a hype around the show and, you know, the numbers we're getting and the venues we're booking out. A lot of comedians who either have science backgrounds Yep. or they're really interested in science, they're like, hey, I'll come on and I'll write a whole bunch of new material based on some science, you know? So now we're looking at, hey, we're going to put comedian and a scientist together in a room. They're going to have a chat. And, you know, maybe this comedian makes a whole new, you know, caricature of that scientist or, you know, explores what they kind of view from that. So we're definitely, um, for this next round, to be a lot more of not just um, scientists learning from comedians, but comedians holding up a mirror to what they think science is, which I think would be a lot of fun. Oh, that is awesome. Hey, that actually brings up the point. How on earth can people who are listening to this get involved? Yeah, definitely. So at the moment, we're in our um, recruitment stage. So we're looking for excited, um, I like to say STEM adjacent people. So, you know, that's, you know, science, tech, eng, maths, medicine, but, you know, we've got nurses who are applying we have you know people who are stem educators who you know never even studied science but they're ended up in journalism and started reporting a lot on that so we were very broad and open to the style of people that we have applying and if they google um sydney science comedy um practical which is p-r-a-x-i-c-a-l there will be a little website that will pop up which will have an apply now button and before the end of September um, 2022, they can go on and apply and just put their name down. Let us know why they love it, why they want to learn these skills. Um, and then next year, we're gearing up for a big, huge show um, around a sort of festival season. So that'll be like March, April, May next year. We're going to bring it out and have some fun with it. Fantastic. And I guess uh, give it a shot. Yeah. You never <laughs> quite know. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I think give it a shot. And um, the thing that excited me was getting um, a whole range of um people apply especially people who weren't just phd students and i think that obviously phd students are brilliant we had a lot of great students in our program but it was getting you know um startup you know research so it was getting an associate professor uh, michelle power brilliant brave funny uh, woman amazing amazing person and she really showed us that it's never to you never to you know establish in your career to learn new stuff and even Dr. Carl, who's, I would say, one of the funniest scientists out there, um, he turned up the training sessions. He was like, I want to learn more. He sat down with comedians and went over his material. And I think that there's a real humility in saying, I um, have space to engage a new audience. My audience is changing and so should I. You know, you can, you know, always find new ways to shake it up. And that's really exciting. So, um, yeah, 
jump on in. <laughs> Absolutely. So I definitely Google it. And then by the way, as usual, we put all those uh, links in the show notes. So you can click away or seriously, Sydney comedy science, pretty particular, pretty, pretty niche down. I yeah, reckon you'll find them. Good search um, engine optimizing words there. <laughs> like <it's... laughs> oh, fantastic. Yeah. Look, I'm really looking forward to see what lineup you produce. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, no, it should be really good. Uh, maybe you could jump on stage sometime, Ben. We might <laughs> get an application. I think l- like many of the communicators, I will need some more training. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but it's good fun. Uh, look, look, thank you so much for popping on to this. And if you're listening in, it doesn't matter if you are on the other side of the planet, maybe keep an eye out. Potentially, there just might be a science comedy night being organized by your local university or something like that. They're popping up. They are. There's lots of different yeah, ones. Definitely. Keep your eye out. Yeah. Or if, again, if you're on the other side of the planet and you aren't seeing anything, why not create something? Totally. Yeah. All it takes is, um, mm. and I will say that I think that doing it with comedians in my mind is the key, you know, like yeah. to me, um, I see a lot of people jumping into science engagement, science art kind of stuff, and they're not acknowledging that there are experts in this space already doing it. The comedians are so fun, so collaborative, so excited to work together. And um, I think, yeah, if you're in the city, if you don't see any science comedy where you're at, shoot them an email and say, hey, let's make something fun. So, um, yeah, good luck. (laughs) Do it with earnest. Look, thank you so much, Luke. Awesome to have a chat. Too easy. Thanks, Ben. Catch ya. We hope you've been enjoying the Physics Ed podcast. We love making science make sense. Why don't you book us for a science show or workshop in your school? If you're outside of Australia, you can connect with us via a virtual excursion. See our website for more. So wouldn't it be fun to get involved with Luke Stella's program with Practical and the Steam Room Science Comedy Program? It is coming up for 2023, and no doubt if you're listening to this after that year, they will be doing this for a very, very long time. And if you want to get involved with this, I really recommend going over to practical.com.au. So P-R-A-X-I-C-A-L.com.au. Go look up the Steam Room and find out how to apply and really to get involved. And hey, if you don't want to be up on stage, I reckon you'd have a bunch of fun well, turning up and watching people really going at it and getting people to laugh and also learning a little bit about the work they do in their science area. I hope you enjoyed this particular chat. I really, really, really did. And I really hope you can hang out with me yet again. This is Ben Newsom from Physics Education. This is the Physics Ed Podcast, and I hope to catch you another time. You've been listening to another Physics Ed Podcast. We're excited about science. Subscribe to us on iTunes to download the next episode as soon as it's released. And don't forget, for hundreds of ideas, free experiments, our new Be Amazing book and more, go to physicseducation.com.au. That's physics spelled F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S. This podcast is part of the Australian Educators Online Network. aeon.net.au